studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Oh, happy Tuesday, everybody. Yes. Yes, it's Tuesday. Another day into the coaching search for the next UTEP head football coach. Love it. Alberto's here. He's wearing his FC Juarez green jersey. I love that jersey. I think it's one of the nicest uh, kits around. Adrian Broadus hanging out at our 600 ESPN El Paso, River Oaks Properties, Schoolyard Sports Studios. What a great game last night, right? I mean, seriously, wasn't that thrilling football? Can you imagine um, if you watched the Buffalo-Philadelphia game? Truly one of the greatest games of the season, if not the best game of the season. And then you watched last night's game? I mean, you probably were watching the game thinking, why is the NFL trying to torture us on a Monday night with two teams that, I mean, look, Chicago won this game with four field goals. Four field goals, including a game winner with 10 seconds left, a 30-yarder. There's your Monday night game. I mean, I was at the Ale House hosting the party last night, and I started laughing when I was getting ready to go up at halftime in a 3-3, bas- a 3-3 football game. And I told the crowd what a riveting game this is, and they, were hilarious. they thought it was the funniest thing ever. I was like, I was like at the comic strip performing on, uh, on the stage. That was what it was like. It was just bad, bad football. You know, I'm disappointed I didn't see the very end, Steve. I was Good. on the phone uh, talking a lot about this uh, UTEP story. I, I think I've been breathing this one just like you. Like, it, it's just nonstop. It's around the clock. It's exhausting following this, but uh, it's necessary, and, and it's very interesting to hear everybody's take on the UTEP hire. But I left my living room, and I was just pacing around the house, and I look up, and then I see how it ended. I thought the Vikings had it done. I thought it, Josh Dobbs was going to get another dub for the Vikings. And now uh, Justin Fields gets a win with the Bears. By the way, th- his job's on the line. Matt Eberflus's job's on the line. He looked a little bit better yesterday. Justin Fields, still not a fan of Eberflus. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to really decide whether or not they want to move forward with Justin Fields after the season. I don't know what to do with him. What would you do? That's I don't tough, know, man. That's a really I, tough I don't call. really know because at, sometimes I watch him like last night, and I'm like, okay, I can actually see you winning with him as your quarterback. But then I think, man – Everything has to be right. You have to have a great line. You have to have receivers who are uh, as dynamic or more dynamic than DJ Moore, who's uh, their solid number one receiver. And uh, if they don't have those things working for him, I don't know if he's going to work out with them. I don't know either. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It's it's like ugh, that whole team. I mean, here's the thing. If you're the Bears and you have like a top two or top three overall pick, how do you not take a quarterback? But on the flip side, when is enough enough? Like you've gambled and lost on so many quarterbacks in recent years. Do you just give Justin Fields a chance to try to give him some more toys to play with? I think what we've learned from quarterbacks uh, that we sway with, like we we want to know, is are they the guy? Are they not the guy? Look, Mac Jones, now revisionist history. The Patriots probably should have drafted a quarterback. Uh, you look at Zach Wilson. The Jets probably should have moved on from him last offseason and had a better backup option to Aaron Rodgers than just Tim Boyle along alongside Zach Wilson. So I think what coaches might start to realize is uh, the leash should be shorter on some of these quarterbacks. Now, to 
be fair, Justin Fields does deserve a chance still, and I don't think that he will be out of the league whatsoever. I think he's still going to be uh, a quarterback in this league, and he's a, a very, very good athlete. Every time you watch him, he's running the ball. Yesterday, he was throwing the ball pretty crisp. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he set up the game-winning field goal with that nice pass to DJ Moore. He did. He did, and and you know what? They still got the win. It was ugly. It was a low-scoring game. I mean, I thought the over-under could have been 16, and it would have gone over barely. I mean, what was the final? The final was 12-10. I right. mean, that's, you know, it's crazy the way that game was. And, you know, sometimes it goes to show you you could have a low-scoring game and, hey, win's a win, right? Whether you win yeah. 45-42 or, or 12-10, what does it matter? As long as you get the dub. Yeah, it reminded me of Nebraska-Iowa with that low score. Mm, good one. Very good one. All right, most people are probably tuning in today going, what the heck are you guys doing spending the first five minutes of the show talking about that Bears-Vikings game that nobody cares about unless you're our bosses at the radio station and you're from Chicago? And even our bosses don't even care. Let's be honest. They they couldn't care less about the Bears right now. The Bears are going nowhere. They're, yeah. probably, they're probably rooting for them to lose so they can get the number one overall pick. Yeah, tough tough time to be a Bears fan or uh, White Sox fans mm. or even a Bulls fan. Man, you, you already checked out if you're a Bulls fan too, so sorry, Chicago. At least the Blackhawks have the number one had the number one pick in the draft and, and, and got a game changer, so that's nice. Very true. Yeah, they have something to be excited about. All right, look, we're on with you till six. John's gonna be back at Hudson, seventeen seventy Lee Trevino. He's talking UTEP hoops with UTEP basketball with Keitha Adams and Joe Golding. So as Tice says, drop by for a burger, a shake, and get the latest from coaches Adams and Golding. And uh, we'll have it for you as well, 6 to 7 right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. So you're probably wondering, well, what happened? What's new? What's, what's the latest? What's going on? Who's getting interviews? Who's, who's in? Who's out? Please, it's Tuesday. I mean, Colin Deaver said it best. They're vetting right now. Now, I, here's my thoughts on the vetting process, okay? They've known this was coming for six weeks. Chances are they've already vetted some of the names that they are most interested in. But I think what has to happen is those individuals that they are that they are wanting to talk to, well, they have to apply too. It's not like um, you know, you might have two or three names on the list, but if they don't show any interest, obviously you're not going to go after them for the job. I mean, you know, you want somebody to apply for it and say they're interested, not have you come to them and and then and then somebody say, "Oh yeah, I mean, it's 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 you know, I've thought about it." You you want genuine interest from the candidates. So since the story broke Sunday, I'm sure resumes have been flowing in. Sunday and Monday, probably mostly Sunday, but Sunday, Monday. So if UTEP is vetting, what that probably means more than anything, Adrian, is they're putting their list together, and now they'll start trimming that down to potential candidates that they will want to talk to an interview. We heard yesterday that um, the uh, offensive coordinator for UNLV, I mean, this might be the most uh, interesting part of the story, but we heard that, really, there's one name who has, according to some sources on uh, social media, 
leaked as far as the job, and Brennan Marion is it. That's the guy. He's your top pick for the job. For the job. He is the UNLV OC, and according to what we've read on uh, social media from some junior college uh, uh, X or Twitter account, that they are uh, that he is interested in the job. That's right. Juco Football Frenzy reported that Brendan Marion, the offensive coordinator for UNLV, is interested in the job. Take it for what it's worth. I mean, it's just a social media account uh, that's posting this. This account, uh, I'll, I'll be fair, has done a lot of transfer stuff, has done a lot of um, you know NIL stuff as well and reported on things like that. I'll say I'll say it again, man. This is my number one guy. UNLV ran for or had almost 500 yards of total offense against UTEP when they came to the Sun Bowl and smacked the Miners. They put up over 40 points and beat the Miners in a game that UTEP felt good about winning. And then Sal Montes pointed this out yesterday. I love the fact that uh, Brendan Marion was actually a part of the Tulsa teams that would come to uh, town against the Miners in the mid 2000s. He put up 136 uh, receiving yards and then. Uh, 233 receiving yards in two games against the Miners when he was playing as a wide receiver for Tulsa. How about that? That's big time. Big numbers. That was against Trevor Vitito back in the day. That's right. Yeah. It was like 13 years ago. I think something like I think Brendan Marion is 36 years old. That sounds right because Chris Adams is right around that uh, age. Uh, Trevor Vitito is definitely in that age range. So, yeah, it's, re- it's really cool, though, to see somebody like that full circle have some uh, interest in this school. So I was at UTEP today on, uh, you know, in the athletic offices, and I've been told from people that are in the know that this is the most hush-hush and, um, like, zipped-up search they've ever been a part of since uh, these individuals have been at UTEP. And that goes back to the previous administration. So apparently, Adrian... Um, there is no word, there's nothing leaking out of UTEP thus far, and everybody is saying that this is going to be kept under wraps, which I'm sure it's not. I mean, we'll find out eventually as people leak it. You know, you've got coaches, agents, and friends, and people like that that love to talk, and the next thing you know, it'll probably go to somebody else in the media, and then they'll get it out, and everybody will follow and piggyback on that. But uh, from what I've heard... It is a very, very hush-hush search as of now. I'm not surprised. This is the time of year to put on... Pete Thamel, turn on his notifications, turn on the notifications of Brett McMurphy, because those are going to be the college football insiders uh, who do this on a daily basis, who break news on a daily basis and have these kind of relationships with agents, with athletic directors, who you name it. Those are going to be the guys who likely break this story, in my opinion, just knowing what we know right now. Uh, we, I, I think it's it's right to infer that there are uh, candidates like Marion, like maybe even uh, Jeff Grimes the Baylor offensive coordinator, and even uh, like Mac Lefwich, who could be really interested in this job. Now, the other side of it is, is UTEP interested in those names? And who are, they going to, who are they going to side with? Yeah, that's exactly right. My favorite, though, are the, are the accounts on social that are having fun with this. Me too. There are some hilarious, hilarious messages so far. Yeah, what's your personal I think, favorite? I think you know which one's my favorite. Uh, sources tell me that Jim Setter had an interview with Jonathan Byers and Jacob Cooksey as head coach. That's my favorite. That's number one. That is the greatest. <laughs> that comes from at Live UTEP News. 
earlier today. <laughs> That's the best tweet I think I've seen like, I don't all know. year. I don't know who's got UTEP News at Live UTEP News, but that is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, the, shout out. I think his name is Anthony. He's a big UTEP fan. Oh, he's, that's he's, great. Been with, he's been to the district with us for some of the watch parties. Uh, big shout out to him. He did a great job on that tweet. I love that. I mean, and by the way, Jonathan Byers and Jacob Cooksey, you should be honored that UTEP News decided to throw you in for the, <laughs> the coaching searches for UTEP. That is just beautiful. Oh man, Beautiful. he just missed a couple others like uh, Joe John. That's only we we missed yes. my uh, no Joe John's on Friday. Yeah, he's coming up true. on. He'll be he'll be up on Friday. <laughs> UTEP Mineto. Shout there out you him. go. There you go. So anyway, um, if you are if you have not read our pick or pass list, you need to. By the way, I've already flip flopped on three different candidates. Okay, and the reason is is that. When this story first came out and Adrian uh, told me on Sunday he's putting this together and he needs input, um, I just gave my gut uh, initial feelings. Then I started calling and make and vetting on my own, and I have talked to former head coaches, athletic directors, high school legendary coaches for some of these individuals, and I'm getting a better picture of some of the candidates that um, I might have initially um, – you know what's funny – I've 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 switched from pass to pick on three guys. I have not switched from pick to pass on anybody yet. So people are uh, maybe convincing you, uh, and you had reasons for some of these guys and yes. why you didn't want them in the first place. But you you well, might be swayed a little bit. However, no one is dissuading you so far. My original list was two guys. Like it was hilarious. Like all I I passed on every single candidate except for two, and then I thought, no, nah, that's a little weird. I gotta, I gotta at least be a little more accepting than saying no to everybody on the list except for two guys. So I've now, I think I'm now, I've got six picks on this list. I think I'm six picks, and I don't know how many passes. I got to say about that. So how many do we have on the list altogether? Do you know how many candidates we have? Uh, not off the top of my head. Let me check real quick. I've got the story right in front of me. Um, you know, we we divided also up between head coaches and rising um, assistants, rising other coaches. So, yeah, I got to do that here. I'm, I've got it open right here. Let me do the math. Me okay, do the please. Because I think, I, I think there's about 12 altogether. I feel like there's about 12. So I might be like 50-50. Like pick six, pass six is uh, is the way it was. It used to be like originally it was what pick two, pass ten, but now I feel like I've I've softened up a little. We bit. went sixteen names. Sixteen? Yes. We threw Holy an Ed Reed. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. I like I picked Ed Reed. Yeah, I like, me too. I like it. I like Ed Reed. So that's good. Anyway, all right. I, I, are you picking on the majority of them? Or are you passing? Uh, like what? Yeah, what would you say you I, are? I think um, my my uh, major, the majority of mine are picks, and that's not a good thing. I think I need to go back in. Maybe I need to go back in Maybe and reevaluate some, some picks to pass. Some passes, yeah. All right, I like that. Uh, when we come back, Shahan Jairaj is going to join us. I can't wait to get his thoughts on the UTEP job and who he likes the best. So we'll weigh in with one of our favorites talking college football, Shahan, right after Charlie Wan in this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Adrian, what do you think? I went to UTEP today. I found 12 posters. I 
Brought them all down, and now we are giving UTEP the love they need. We've got everything wrapped up here beautifully on our walls. Yeah, everything from 80s minors magic night to minor basketball to beach volleyball. We got it all there, and I think this will stop all the ugly stares we get from our UTEP guests who keep staring at Diego Pavia and uh, Casey Eziagu is the only two posters we have other than the Sun Bowl. We're going to take those NMSU photos, put them over here with the CUSA and the Sun Bowl. uh, Nice. We're going to design. We're going to redesign. Designing this whole place right looks now, great. making it look nice. I like that. I think it looks solid, don't you? Yeah, and I even have I, I even have room for another four more UTEP posters if they give us some more. We can do that. So we're gonna switch gears right now and uh, say hello to a man that. Gosh, what was the last time Shahan joined us on the program? Yeah, it's a great question, Steve. Maybe the off season. Uh, maybe a quick check in before football season started. So it's a shame uh, that it took this long to catch back up with him. The man from CBS Sports. Man, oh man, you're right. National college football writer. He does it all, and he's with us right here as we continue on sports talk. Look what it took. It took a it took a, a dismissal and a coaching search at UTEP to get you back on the show. Shahan, can you believe it? <laughs> I can't believe it. I guess when you when you really think about it, I mean, Dana Dimmel's first year was my first year at Dave Campbell's Texas football, so I've gone through two lives since uh, the last time you have had a coaching search. Yeah, it's been a while. It really has. But listen, I'm happy to have you back. Excited about that. And uh, more than anything else, um, you know, what a year it's been. New Mexico State's in their first year. They're playing for a CUSA title against Liberty, and UTEP's looking for a new head coach. I, I, I would not have predicted all of those events when we probably talked to you back here in August. No, it's been quite a year, obviously. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned, New Mexico State being able to turn that thing around really quickly. Think of the big win over Auburn, of course, a couple of weeks ago. But, man, it's, uh, it's definitely been a chaotic one. I think this has been a really good first year for Conference USA. Obviously, you know, we didn't necessarily know how things were going to work out. But, you know, Liberty, I think, has been uh, one of the best group of five teams in the country. I think they're very much still in the conversation for the New Year's Six if Tulane were to fall somewhere down the road. And, uh, and now Delaware uh, going to be joining later this year as well. So big year overall. Yeah, it really is. By the way, speaking of, uh, of Liberty football, and I'm really curious about your take on this, okay, because um, we know they're undefeated. We know they've got a chance to be undefeated. And yet, you tell me, would you give Jamie Chadwell Coach of the Year or Jerry Kill, considering that when you look at these two individuals, one has an enormous budget, is getting paid a fortune, has every single tool at his disposal to win, and the other is Jerry Kill. (laughs) You know, it's a great race. I mean, seriously, obviously, uh, New Mexico State getting to 10 wins potentially is just, just unbelievable, unbelievable stuff, obviously. And, you know, I do want to say, like you, you mentioned Liberty, obviously having the research that they, that they had to come in and immediately not just continue what Hugh Freeze did, but to really exceed everything that he did during his tenure. I mean, I do think Jamie Chadwell deserves a lot of credit. If it were me making the decision, I think that it should go to Jerry Kill. I yep. think it will ultimately go to Jerry Kill because this isn't just a good year for New Mexico State. This is one of the best seasons in the history of that program. But uh, but I do think that if it went to Chadwell, it would certainly be deserved. 
Shahan, you came to El Paso, I think it was uh, in Dana Dimmel's second season or after that, in the off season of that, and you got a chance to get to know this program pretty well from the inside and talk to some of the players around this. Now fast forward to 2023, how will you remember the Dana Dimmel era and why didn't it work? Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag, right? Obviously, they were able to put together a winning season in 2021. They were able to put themselves in a position to go to bowl games a couple of other times. So, you know, look, obviously, every coaching tenure, really, uh, at the end of it, tends to, to end with failure in one way or another. And the fact that it lasted this long and was that competitive, I think that it obviously, it honestly went, I would say, better in some ways than what I expected. But, you know, when I see the, the kind of rise up, but their inability to kind of hit that next level, I, I think that I have to look at a couple of things. One, I think that the player development was a mixed bag. Obviously, they, I think they found some really talented kids, and it's a tough thing to do, and, and they deserve a lot of credit for finding kids like, obviously, Jacob Cowing, Gavin Hardison, Dion Hankins. I, I mean, Dion was a little bit more of a, a known commodity, but still – I, I think that they did a good job of finding and putting these guys in good positions. But I think that what started to come about is, that, you know, these guys, I think, just when you looked at the way that they were being utilized, it wasn't always maximizing their strengths. And obviously there were numerous coordinators that came through on both sides of the ball. I don't think that they ever fully figured out what they wanted to be. I think that part of that is also, I mean, obviously Dana Dimmel was the former Kansas state offensive coordinator. And there were times where I felt like they played too conservative a style of football. So I don't know that they ever got the sort of math, right. Of player development mixed with identification mixed with scheme to match it. And ultimately I think it just ended up putting a cap on the program. We're talking right now with uh, Shahan Jairaja here on Sports Talk as we continue. So the search uh, officially began on Sunday. Many of us thought that the announcement officially would come either after the game Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. So it comes on Sunday. We're hearing today that uh, UTEP could be in the vetting process for candidates. We wrote about it. We had a, a large pick-or-pass article up on the website uh, that we put up uh, yesterday. Shahan, there are so many names that could be thrown around for this job. It's fascinating when you think about uh, current head coaches, former head coaches, assistants, coordinators, um, you know, guys that might have had ties to the program years ago, a lot with El Paso or UTEP ties. I mean, uh, sky's the limit as far as uh, when it all comes down to it, who could be interested in the job and who UTEP could be looking to take over the program. No, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, if it were me, right, and obviously I'm not Jim Center, he has a lot of big decisions to make, I would say two things. You know, one, I think that you don't want to over-rely on people with uh, with ties to UTEP and the program. Obviously, I do think it gives some advantage to have somebody who does have some background in the area, does have some background in the program, and obviously knows how great the El Paso community is because it can be a real strength if you if you understand it in a good kind of way. But I think that I would not just try to go back to the well, per se. And the other thing, too, is that whether or not the head coach is this, I think that a priority needs to be trying to get some young staff in the building. You know, we, we look over at New Mexico State, and obviously they have a couple of experienced guys as well, but, I, I mean, a lot of their staff is under 40, under 35, a couple even under 30. 
and and putting it together with the coach and Jerry Kill, who obviously is letting them go to work, I think it's worked in a really good way. So there needs to be some level of innovation, and that's something that I hope that we see from this next step. More with Shahan as we continue, but right now back to Adrian and this Sports Center update. Live UTEP News has a poll up there. Who would you rather have as UTEP coach? You can vote for Jonathan Byers, Joe John Sr., and Jacob wow. Cooksey right now if you want to give your – and there's been 21 votes cast so far. I need to cast my votes. You do. We all need to cast yes. our vote. Yeah. John, you'll enjoy this. Jonathan, Joe John, and Jacob are three of the most engaged UTEP fans on social media. So UTEP News has decided that he wants one of those three to have the job, so he's putting the poll out there and Letting everybody vote on which um, UTEP superfan should be the next head coach of the team. <laughs> I love it. I mean, look, you've got to get some people in the building, right, who love UTEP and who love El Paso. Yeah, I'm so interested to see how this poll goes, so we'll have to uh, give you the results on that later in the show. Uh, meanwhile, as far as uh, actual candidates go, let's, let's, let's talk about this for a second. There's a lot of names that have been thrown out there. Let's begin with Brendan Marion at UNLV because we found out yesterday through another uh, social media handle that apparently there is mutual interest. Uh, you know, UTEP might be interested in Marion. He could be interested in the job. He interviewed already at San Diego State. They're going in a different direction, but it does seem like Brendan Marion's stock is pretty high right now. You tell me, is he somebody who, um, in your opinion, still needs a little time or do you feel like he is somebody that will soon have his first head coaching opportunity no i think that he absolutely is going to soon be in the conversation for head coaching opportunities he's had really a meteoric rise in a lot of ways uh and and to me it's been very deserved you know he he went through first i believe he's at william and mary he developed this sort of go-go offense is what they call it Uh, he brought it to Pitts. he brought it to howard he eventually was receivers coach at Texas, had a lot of success there, and got his first uh, FBS coordinator opportunity now at UNLV. And the funny thing about it is that <laughs> if you look back, the guy who was supposed to be the offensive coordinator at UNLV was Bobby Petrino, who ended up going on to Texas A&M. When he ended up moving on, Brennan Marion was given that job. And you look around, and all of a sudden, UNLV is the best team in the Mountain West, largely on the strength of their offense. So I think that he's absolutely ready for his opportunity. Certainly, when you hire somebody as young as he is, I believe he's 36 years old, there's going to be some risk that comes with it. But I do think that he has, one, been around college football enough. He's coached in different parts of the country, obviously spent the last year out in the desert at UNLV. Uh, And I think the other part of it, too, is that he is doing some innovative stuff on the offensive side of the ball. He's really, uh, he runs a very high powered offense, fast paced offense, uh, but, but also a unique one. And when I talk about guys who are innovators, that, that's the kind of coach that I think that I'd be looking for. Well, and that's my question is uh, number one, he does, uh, he's a little different than what we've seen in recent years. That's for sure. And because of his age, he's probably also somebody that could bring a pretty young staff in with himself. And uh, it'd be a totally different kind of culture than what UTEP's used to. No, there's, there's no question about it. And I think that the other thing too, is that at UTEP right now, you really need energy because it's not just about coaching good football. Certainly that's part of it, but 
you need somebody at this point who's going to energize the community. I mean, look, for, for all the stuff that, uh, that obviously the previous staff brought, it was an older staff. It was a staff that, I, I mean, I don't want to go as far as saying it, but, you know, it's closer to a retirement staff than an up-and-coming staff. And so I do think that, uh, you know, when you talk about guys who will want to be out in the community, guys who will want to be faces of the program, you know, I think that Brendan Marion could be that kind of coach. Well, I'll tell you what, I look at uh, some of the other ones right now that are out there. Take, uh, give me your take on Tony White, the Nebraska defensive coordinator, who played his high school ball at UTEP at, at Burgess, and then somebody that I talked about for weeks, Will Stein, the Oregon offensive coordinator. They're both making about $800,000 right now as a Power 5 coordinator. Are they two individuals that you believe, when they get their first head coaching opportunity, could be maybe Power 5 versus Group of 5, or could they also be in play here? Yeah, I think that they are much more power five candidates than they would be group of five candidates, especially Tony White. I think that Tony White, uh, you know, he was in conversations at Syracuse where he coached before he went to Nebraska. And I think that, you know, you listen to Matt Rule talk about Tony White. He kind of said, like, look, you can be a head coach right now, and I encourage you to be a head coach right now, but make sure you're going to the right place. And I think in some ways Syracuse wasn't even the right place with their level of investment. So if I were him, I'd wait it out. He did a great job in his first year at Nebraska as a defensive coordinator. He runs an innovative sort of 3-3-5 system. Uh, certainly if you can attract him home, that's, that's a conversation worth having. Uh, you know, just frankly, I think that Tony White will have the opportunity to be a Power 5 head coach very soon, if, uh, if not this cycle. Will Stein, you know, so somebody who came up actually through the Texas high school ranks, actually uh, served on staff at Lake Travis High School in Texas under Hank Carter before he went to UTSA, had a lot of success, obviously now gone to Oregon and become a, a name to know. So I, I think the question is certainly, you know, look, obviously UTEP would give him the opportunity to come back to Texas where he has a lot of familiarity. But, you know, like you kind of mentioned, is he potentially a power five uh, candidate with another great year of work? You look at the guy who had the job right before him. It was Kenny Dillingham, uh, who obviously is now the head coach at Arizona State. I, I do believe that he's going to wait things out. And, and certainly if you're, if you're Will Stein right now, I don't think you're in any rush to, to try and get your first job because he's also still just 34 years old. Shahan, you are a Baylor guy. You're, you were all over the Aranda News recently this week. Uh, one of their coaches who recently got fired, Jeff Grimes, is a part of this mix as well. He's somebody who played for the Miners in the 80s. And I know that Miner fans might roll their eyes initially hearing that a fired offensive coordinator could be a candidate for this job, but you realize that Grimes was up for big jobs previously in, in previous coaching cycles. What do you think about him, Jeff Grimes, as an option? Well, and uh, the other part, too, is that it would be three uh, straight offensive line coaches that would potentially be getting this UTEP job. But I do think that there's a lot to like about Jeff Grimes. I, I will caution, I really hope that the reason that they would think going this direction isn't just cause. Because obviously, he's going to be working through a buyout. There's probably going to be some offsets. So obviously, you could get him cheap. I, I hope that that's not the reason that UTEP would look his direction. But putting that aside, uh, so I got to know Jeff Grimes just a little bit during his time at Baylor, and there's a lot to like. So I think that he's a very good developer of talent. He's a fantastic offensive line coach. You know, when you talked about him, I mean, just for people to know, 
obviously he coached at Baylor the last three years. Before that, he was uh, Zach Wilson's coach, and that, that doesn't sound very good right now, but at BYU, that was a big deal. He, he did a really good job with Zach Wilson and helped turn him into a first-round NFL draft pick and coordinated one of the top offenses in the entire country. So he showed a history of potentially being able to uh, to generate uh, high-powered offenses, of being able to do some innovative stuff. Uh, the big thing that I would ask if Jeff Grimes did get this job is, you know, like kind of I mentioned, will you bring in a younger staff? Will you bring in an innovative staff? Will you bring in some guys who maybe have the opportunity and ability to do some, uh, to, to really mix things up schematically? You know, I, I think that he's a very smart schematic guy. I definitely think that just by the end of his third season, uh, some of the guys at, at Baylor were just starting to tune him out a little bit. But I do think that there's a lot to like about Jeff Grimes. Uh, and, and I do think that he's somebody who has the ability to maybe take this program to another level. Shahan Jayaraja with us here on Sports Talk as we continue uh, discussing some of the names that could be in the mix for this uh, UTEP head football job. Give me your thoughts on Zach Kitley, Texas Tech offensive coordinator, and also Kenny Perry, Texas Tech associate head coach. They've both also been mentioned for this position. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So, so I think that Zach Kitley, maybe a year ago, would have been uh, seen as a little bit of a higher profile case. He is somebody who uh, comes from the Texas Tech tree. He was, a, I believe, a grad assistant. It was under Cliff Kingsbury, he worked a whole lot with Patrick Mahomes. So he kind of still has that Patrick Mahomes sheen on him, which I think that some people really like. Uh, and he was also the, the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for Bailey Zappi, who obviously is now, uh, again, similar deal. It doesn't sound as good now, but he was a great, great college football quarterback, completely revamped uh, Houston Baptist, now Houston Christian, and took it to Western Kentucky, and it worked in a big way. And, and I think that you look at what he's done in West Texas. He has deep ties in West Texas in general. His father is actually Wes Kitley, who is the track and field coach at Texas Tech, maybe the best track coach in the entire nation. Uh, so. You know, he's somebody who I think would be really excited about the possibility of potentially trying to build something at UTEP if the opportunity was right. And I think that when you look at, again, when you look at him offensively, the, the sort of one hesitation is that he's a pretty pure air raid guy historically. I do think that maybe he could go into more than that, especially at a place like UTEP. But, uh, you know, certainly it's an offense that's been proliferated in a lot of ways. So I think that I'd want to know uh, what exactly he would plan to do with the kind of talent that UTEP could get. You know, we talk about Kenny Perry. This is somebody who has a deep Texas high school background. And, you know, this is sort of the existential question with UTEP as a program is how much of it is a Texas high school program? How much of it is sort of this, this kind of odd man out where you've got Arizona right there, where you've got New Mexico, where you've got Colorado, and also obviously trying to go into Texas. I think that when you talk about Kenny Perry, he's somebody who uh, Joey McGuire knew really well before he had the opportunity to, to add him to his staff. Uh, he is less of a schematic guy. He's much more of a program-building type guy. Uh, he, he also had some experience back at SMU before he did come over to Texas Tech. So th there's a lot to be interested by, and, and he has deep ties in Texas. To me, though, again, I mean, I, I think that I would just wonder, 
are you going to bring over some young, exciting guys, or, or, or what exactly is your plan if you do go with a Kenny Perry? Sean, we've on this show maintained uh, the timeline for this and how important that plays into all this, knowing that the transfer portal officially opens on, uh, on, on Monday where players can actually be contacted by rival teams or opposing teams, and then you look December 20th, that's the day early signing day uh, is supposed to wrap up or at least kick off, I should say, and you're supposed to announce your early signing class. How important is hiring a coach and then hiring them quickly for this UTEP job? Yeah, I mean, it's a brutal situation to be in, certainly. It's not, you know, certainly not unique to UTEP, but I think that you do want to try to get things under wraps quickly. First, from the perspective of just being able to keep your roster together and not losing a ton of players to the portal. But also, you know, you want to have an idea of what you're looking for and somebody who can come in and have a vision of who they think they can be. You know, one one thing that I point to is when you look at New Mexico State uh, and Jerry Kill's initial class, he obviously was a special assistant at TCU during his year before New Mexico State. And you look up and they brought over three or four TCU kids. They ended up bringing over Eli Stowers at tight end, who was a kid from Texas A&M. They, they ended up bringing some big-time players who had connections. And I think that uh, if you are UTEP and you want to bring in a coach like that who maybe has some ties, maybe you're able to, to hire a Kitley and, and get some of those Texas Tech kids. Maybe you're able to hire somebody like Jeff Grimes. And there's one or two Baylor players who want to, to go that way. I do think that you want to be able to jump on it early when kids uh, are still just kind of getting their options. If you're if you're late to the portal, if you're late to high school recruiting, I, I think you can really set yourself back. Shahan, it's a fascinating talk. It really is. Can't wait to see what happens. By the way, you've got some great content up on the website at cbssports.com. I love the story you broke a few hours ago about Oregon State, Washington State, and the Mountain West closing in on a schedule agreement for 2024. That's a story you need to read. Shahan's got a ton of content up on the site right now, breaking stories. Uh, every uh, you know, and Not just every day, but every couple hours. It's simple as that. Enjoyed the conversation with us. Let's be in touch. And as soon as we find out a name, we'll, we'll get you back and uh, we'll get a chance to talk about that with you. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Shahan J. Raja, folks, CBSSports.com as we continue. 4.45, the time back with more in a moment. We'll give you the poll results. Which of those UTEP 3 fans should be taking over the team? You might not uh, be surprised by who's leading it. We'll do that next. 600 ESPN El Paso. Um, Getting reports from sources that... Eastwood head football coach Julio Lopez has, in fact, applied for the UTEP head coaching position. Now, if that is true, that is a name that, um, you know, should be pretty familiar to all of El Paso. Julio, a former minor, somebody who is uh, very well known from his playing and coaching days and what he's done out at Eastwood High. Adrian, I'll ask you this because he was not on our pick or pass list. And that's just because we did not include any high school football coaches. However, I don't think I can ever recall a high school football coach who transitioned to Division I head coaching um, without ever a stop as an assistant or a coordinator. Now, it's possible that maybe a college, uh, or I should say a um, former NFL player might have done that. I don't know, but... Um, I'm just trying to think if there's been precedent before 
for someone going from high school head coaching straight to college? First off, I just want to say this about Julio Lopez. I think he's one of the rising coaches in high school football across the state of Texas, and he's shown that and he's proven that with Eastwood High School having continued success year over year. So he's done a great job with them, and his offense is dynamic as it comes. I mean, it's really uh, really fun to watch at the high school level. But then again, it's the high school level, and yes. we haven't seen this kind of jump. I would love Julio Lopez on staff. I don't think he should be like a linebackers coach, quarterbacks coach, anything like that. He should be uh, on staff if he really wants to with UTEP and has a good rapport with the coach. But yeah, I this kind of rise right there, it's unprecedented. Yeah, and to be honest with you, if Julio did apply for the job, I... I I would almost love to get his his um, his thought process about how he feels he could make the jump and go directly from uh, high school coach at Eastwood to UTEP and resurrect the program. Yeah, I think his pitch would actually be great, and I actually think that uh, he would energize you by talking to you about this. And I, I mean, just from knowing uh, Coach Lopez, I'd also say this: he has been very passionate with us on this show, yep. talking about what changes need to happen with this UTEP football program. So he knows it; he knows this program very well, and he played for it as well. So. So there you go. Taking a look at the uh, latest poll from at Live UTEP News, uh, as far as uh, who would you all rather have as UTEP head football coach, 41 votes are in so far. Jonathan Byers with a 44% uh, voting total. He leads Jacob Cooksey, who has 31.7. And Joe John Sr., 24.4%. Only 41 votes in. You can vote as to which of the uh, minor superfans should get uh, the opportunity to interview for the job and maybe get the job. So, Adrian, any surprise that Johnny Johnny Utep, Jonathan Byers, is leading this one? No, if actually if you had to do like a betting uh, like odds on this, Jonathan Byers would probably be a minus one fifty favorite. Yeah, I think so too. Yes. And then the other two, like a plus uh, maybe one twenty five, one fifty. Yeah, right? Joe John might be like plus four hundred. Honestly, mm, all right, he's a long shot. Hey, uh, that is a good one though. At Live UTEP News. I like that poll. Hey, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. Bernie Olivas coming up next right here. Final hour with you. 600 ESPN El Paso. Adrian Broadus, Alberto here with us as well in the studios. Steve Kaplowitz here. My apologies to uh, Shahan J. Raja. I just saw this note, but Shahan and his wife are expecting a child. That is great news. In fact, um, Man, oh man, Shahan's going to be enjoying fatherhood like nobody else. So uh, just a few years ago, they tied the knot, and now, uh, in fact, uh, they have uh, a little one coming up. That is uh, that is awesome. So really happy for him. And uh, again, congratulations to the Jairaja family for uh, that. As uh, Bernie Olivas standing by, and I guess he's working the phones right now. He's like Adam Schefter right he now, is. Steve. He's got to he's got to take every phone call that comes his way. He it's does. Okay. He, he look. Bernie looks like right now. You know what he looks like to me? Somebody who's running a marathon, and he's like at the midway point. That's yes. what he feels like to me. Like he hasn't crossed the finish line. Hasn't broken a sweat. No, he had, but but he is on like he's in the middle of his marathon. He really is. And by the way, the fact that he hasn't broken a sweat is pretty amazing. I, he's got to give everybody else tips on how to do that. How do you run thirteen miles and not even break a sweat? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And by the way, I need it. I need that hoodie. I need the hoodie that he's wearing right now. It's the nicest hoodie I think I've seen recently. That is a sharp hoodie from uh, from Bernie Olivas. I agree with you. Um, the executive director of the. Uh, 
Sunball Association, Tony the Tiger Sunball. Congratulations on the parade, by the way. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I saw you on the uh, television coverage with uh, KTSM, and uh, hopefully uh, you can uh, hear out of these uh, out of these headphones. If not, that eh, should be a little bit better. Better now for you, or you still can't hear? Hang on, tell me. Yep, there we go. All right, I'm going to crank up. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you deaf. Bernie, grab a mic and uh, listen. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you are busy. You're working the phones. Um, we are less than a week away from finding out who's going to play in the 90th annual Tony the Tiger uh, Sun Bowl football game. And a lot of possibilities still out there, aren't there? A lot more possibilities now than they were a week ago. So, but they're all still, they're all still pretty good. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, hurdles that, uh, that were thrown at us, a couple of curveballs that were thrown at us this weekend, but I still think we're going to be in good shape. I, I'm pretty confident that we're going to be all right. Um, I'm excited because I feel like, yeah, yeah, you'll be just fine. We'll talk about those hurdles in a moment and everything else that's going on. By the way, I got to get your thoughts on this. I saw this story a moment ago. Oregon State, Washington State, and the Mountain West are closing in on a scheduling agreement for next season. This is a seven plus one format, which means the Mountain West would play seven games against conference opponents, one against either Oregon State or Washington State. So what that does is it would generate. 12 additional games for the Pac-2 in exchange for approximately $14 million. That would be the direct payment to the Mountain West. And then the scheduling agreement would only be in practice for next season. Uh, One source told Dennis Dodd, however, that the arrangement being discussed is a one-plus-one, meaning... Both sides would exercise to the uh, to option to continue the model in 2025. So that would be uh, $28 million to the Mountain West. But, hey, since they're already receiving the, line, the you know everything remaining from the Pac-12 once the schools uh, officially disband, it only makes sense if they can keep this model for a couple of years, even if they lose their chance to go to a um, – you know, a, a New Year's Day game because ultimately, Bernie, they need to play. They need to find games next year. And rather than necessarily merge immediately with the Mountain West, this kind of key gives them the option to eventually attract teams to reform a PAC conference if that's where they choose. I, and I think they're doing. I think they're doing it the right way. They're not jumping into any any into any conference or anything like that. And I think uh, they have again by by rules or by law or whatever you want to call it they have 2 years to keep their conference intact so so they're going to take their time and see what's available to them out there and of course everybody's thinking that they're going to merge somehow with the Mountain West so this is i think this is step 1 but they do have 2 years uh, to keep their conference intact so we'll see what happens i think they're doing it the right way I do too, and uh, it gives them options. Like you said, they could they could have immediately just gone right to the Mountain West and say, "Take us." But now they realize, well, that money coming their way, maybe they will be in a position of power to attract uh, other schools to their league and cherry pick who they want to uh, play with them in the future. Absolutely, and I think they owe, I think it's only eight teams that they need. That's right to be to for you know to to, to keep that conference intact and continue the hundred and. I think it's a 112-year uh, uh, run that the Pac-12 has had, or that yep. the Pac has had. And and for them, I mean, if you do, why wouldn't you want to, instead of just going to a conference because you feel like you have no other option, if you give invites to people and now they come and join your league, uh, maybe it'll just make sense for all the right reasons, especially financially speaking, because maybe there will be a larger piece of the pie for whoever the Pac reforms as their eight-team league than the, than the current leagues that a lot of these schools are playing in right now. Exactly. Exactly. So 
so we'll see what happens. But I think, like I said, they're moving in the right direction, I think, and, and uh, good luck to them, and, and uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't believe that if they do absorb the, all the Mountain West schools where they would be considered a Power Five mm. or I mean a Power Conference. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. You know, but still they'll, they'll continue you, to be a conference uh, and continue that uh, over 100-year tradition. Well, you'll have the name, yeah. and also all that money from that league will essentially be going into those two schools until they figure out a way to put the, put, put the league uh, back together again. That's correct. All right. That's, uh, that's also interesting. Money, you know money talks when it comes down that's to all it. About, that's all about the money nowadays. It is. It really, really is. How about UTEP uh, now uh, looking for a new head football coach after Sunday? You know, I, you know, I hate to see coaches lose their, lose their jobs. Uh, Dana Dim was one of the nicest guys I've ever met, and I, and I hope he, I know he will land on his feet. But now the search begins, uh, you know, the search begins to, uh, to find the, the, the new replacement. And I've seen all the, the, the prospective uh, candidates and uh, they all seem to be pretty good. The only thing I did see in all the in all those candidates was, I don't think any of them had head coaching experience, if I can remember. Just to looking at the names that have been thrown out there. Yeah, I they mean, all you're, have you're, good names. They're all good coaches. But you know, and, and I was talking to Jay Pritchard, our our marketing director, about you know we sit there every day and and, and just talk about what's going on and. It's a different animal going from a, you know f- you know from a coordinator or from an assistant coach into the in the, into the head coaching position and but you know some uh, I've known some tremendous coaches who just couldn't handle it as a head coach. That's true. It's a different it's a different animal. So uh, but I hope but some but there are some great assistant coaches that are going to become great head coaches and that's how they start. So I hope we get the you know we hope we get the right one and uh, and go from there. And we also know that the last time UTEP was a consistent power in college football, you were in high school. I mean, that's ultimately, or middle school, it could be. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. Back in the back in the late sixties, yeah, that's correct. That's right. When they were going to, when they were consistently going to bowl games and and beat some of the, some of the better teams in the country, like Ole Miss and mm-hmm. TCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, you know, and of course Bob Stull did a pretty good job. As a, you know, Bob did a great job. He did a great Bob job. is, but but the thing with Bob was he got out at the perfect time. Like he had two winning seasons, had the bowl trip, and then immediately. Uh, parlayed that into Missouri. He is the only coach since 1967, when the last time UTEP won a bowl game, who has actually left the school to go to a better job. Everybody else has been fired. It's pretty remarkable when you start, or retired in the case of Mike Price. But you start to think about that, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, it's been a it's been a tough road for UTEP over the you know last few years. Uh, I think I think you know, and I just, I still think our location hurts us a little bit when you're competing against the Dallases and the San Antonios and and those other squiddies. But uh, I think we you know all we need just like to tell the Sun Bowl team. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of teams don't want to come to, come to El Paso to the Sun Bowl until after they're here. And on their way out, they'll always t- the, the, they hear it year after year. God, you, we'll come back anytime you ask us to. Yeah. Uh, but for some reason or another, we have a reputation of not being the best. You know, you know, and, and of course, a lot of the you know the, the, the news puts El Paso down quite a bit sometimes with everything that's going on. But once people get here and see what kind of city we are, what kind of people we have, they want to come back. I have people calling me every day. You don't know how many calls I've gotten from. All the schools that are possible 
possibilities to be here at the 20th Tiger Sun Bowl these last two days, asking if they're if they're in the running. Isn't it crazy how Las Cruces is so sheltered from all of that criticism and talk compared to El Paso, considering they're only 30 miles apart? But they're in different. They're, but they're in a different state. They so are. They're, they're different states. So That's they right. So people don't. Don't uh, consider them part of you know part of us, but we're all you know we're all part of this huge community here. But you're absolutely right. People think they're in a different state, so you know it, what's going on here doesn't affect them. All right, I want to talk about the potential matchups. Let's do that when we come back. Bernie's here. Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch. We got a lot more to cover as uh, sports talk continues. And uh, don't forget, we also have the opportunity here to uh, get you into UTEP basketball with. Keitha Adams and Joe Golding. That's going to be coming up at the top of the hour. John Teicher is going to be live out at Hudson's Grill, 1770 Lee Trevino for Utah basketball with Keitha Adams and Joe Golding. We'll come back more in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues right here with Bernie Olivas, Tony the Tiger, Sun Bowl Watch, and who could be the favorites for the 90th annual game on December 29th? All that and more, 600 ESPN El Paso. El Paso Metroplex, Steve, we have uh, the crash that's still going on on the west side, still trying to take care of that. IT says Houston, we have a crash that's blocking the right lane, blocking the entrance ramp there, so a little bit of a slowdown. Look at what's going on there, IT East at Schuster. Also, IT East at Vinton, keep in mind that all lanes are blocked. They've been doing construction work out there all day. That's going to continue throughout the night, maybe ending up at 5 in the morning, but IT East at Vinton still, they're going to get you onto South Desert, get you back on at Artcraft. Also, we have uh, just that Typical slowing, I-10 East, that Spaghetti Bowl area. This update brought to you by Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Remcon. Leo's has the full-service bar, famous tortillas, soup, we have the flautas, fajitas, gorditas, chicken, and mole, much more family-owned and operated. Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Remcon. I'm Charlie One, 600 ESB El Paso.
Back here on the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch, 19 past the hour. Alberto's running the show right now for Adrian. Is Adrian gone for the day? Did he leave an hour early? No, just uh, took off for a few. Oh, I got you. All right. Well, Alberto's handling the show for us. Uh, we've got uh, Bernie Olivas as well. Too bad Adrian's not here. We can't talk about him losing and uh, owing lunch for the second straight year in the Chick-fil-A uh, Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. We'll save that for Adrian when he comes back, and we'll make sure we greet him with that as soon as he gets in the doors. But let's talk about the game itself, Bernie. What happened over the weekend that could have some impact on who could be playing here uh, on December 29th? had nothing to do with the games that were played. I think the coaching changes had a lot to do with what's going to happen from now on. You know, Oregon losing Jonathan Smith, I mean Oregon State Mm -hmm. losing Jonathan Smith might change the opinion of the Holiday Bowl who had their eyes set on them. If that happens, well, they would take, uh, they would probably take USC. We would get, uh, and you know, we would get Oregon State. Of course, I talked to, I talked to my friend over there at the Holiday Bowl and they said they haven't made up their mind. Uh, they were pretty much, they've been sold on Oregon State all year long. But, of course, the coaching, you know, not, not only the, the coaching change, but the fact that he's already taken six, six of his assistant coaches with him, that, that makes a difference. The other thing that makes a difference is the fact that the, the transfer portal opens up on Monday. Yep. And, uh, you, know, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with the, all the coaches leaving. You don't know what's going to happen to Oregon State there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think we're, we're, I think we're going to be within uh, – Striking distance potentially for Oregon State. Right. Do you, you think? Do you think that uh, suddenly the Holiday Bowl goes Utah at uh, eight and four over Oregon State if given the opportunity? No, I, I've, I spoke to my to my colleague over at the Vegas Bowl and he says they've got they've they're taking they got Utah. Oh, so Vegas is taking Utah. Yeah, that's correct. So Vegas is taking Utah. Would Holiday then take Arizona? No, I think Arizona's going to wind up at the Alamo Bowl. At the Alamo Bowl. That's correct. So Vegas, Alamo. So, um, and then because of uh, what if Oregon loses to Washington, then would they go to the Holiday Bowl? I don't think that either. That I think that both teams are going to wind up in the New Year's Six Bowl. You Tell do. You the truth. I, I th- yeah, you know, I don't think any either of them with a, whoever loses is not going to drop mm-hmm. out of the top twelve. So I guess and the as question: long as they're in the top twelve, they're, they're going to be in the New Year's Eve Bowl. So the question would Day be. Does the Holiday Bowl go USC minus Caleb Williams and a bunch of other guys, or do they go Oregon State minus their head coach? That's, that's going to be the million-dollar question. That's the million-dollar question. You know, and I kind of spoke to him. I said, well, do you, want, do you want a ranked team maybe without a coach, or do you want a team at 6-6 six and six whose players aren't going to play? Seven and five, you mean. or seven and five, yeah, who, yeah, whose yeah. players aren't going to be there? And he says that's the dilemma that he's going through. And of course, that's his choice. So. Uh, hasn't made up his choices of today, uh, so we're going to be uh, so we'll be waiting to see what happens. All right. Um, do you think, by the way, as far as Oregon State goes, I'm be interested to see if uh, Ugielelli plays in the game, and that would be huge. He's not a senior. Um, true. That's a good point. I think so he'll, I think he'll play. he probably would play. He's a junior. That's so, correct. He's a junior. But, but wouldn't he? Couldn't he also decide if, uh, since he's a junior? Couldn't opt he? Out. Yeah. He probably could, but I don't think as a junior he would. I, right. At least that's maybe that's my hope, but I, I think I as, as, as a junior, oh. I don't think he would. I'll say this. Uh, Damian Martinez is a terrific uh, sophomore running back. He's rushed for almost oh. 1,200 yards oh, for he, Oregon State in nine touchdowns. He's been incredible. I've been watching Fantastic. him boy, over the last few weeks. He is really good. That's what I'm saying. Like if, if Oregon State comes here even without a head coach – 
Who cares? They have so much talent on that team. That is a team that uh, has been amongst the top 10 in the country for a good chunk of the year. You know, it's always good to have great coaches on the sideline, but do you really go home? Do you really go and watch a game to watch the coaches coach, or do you want to see the players play? That's, mm-hmm. I mean, I've always said that about baseball, too, and about the managers. I said, hey, you don't go to a game and watch a manager manage. You want to go see, go see the players play. So so we'll see what happens there. But, uh, but yeah, you know, having now you get a Mac Brown down here, which is might be, could possibly a possibility now. Now uh, yep. I'd love to have UNC and Mac Brown back in El Paso and back in back in Texas. You know, last time he was here, he was coaching North Carolina against Texas. So let's talk about this for a second. Uh, Clemson won. That puts them at 8-4, and four, and they're probably going to be out of the pool, correct? That's what you're thinking? Or out if they of, are out of, our, out of out, our pool. Out of your pool. That's right. Out of right. our pool, and they're probably going to wind up in the Holiday Bowl. Mm, okay. Okay. So if Clemson goes to the Holiday Bowl, which makes a lot of sense, um, you still have... Florida State probably going to be in the playoff, assuming they beat Louisville. You would, although that there's, a, I had an argument over lunch about that today. Is does Florida State get to still go to the holiday or to the uh, to the playoff because the ACC was just a little weaker and they lost their quarterback? Does that does that ultimately put them in a bad spot, even it, if they beat Louisville? Well, I think if they beat Louisville, they'll be they'll. You I can't take a team right. that's 13-0 and 0 and tell them you're not in the final that's four. That's exactly right. If they beat Louisville yeah. with a third-string or second-string quarterback, that's right. you're a pretty good football team. Uh, agree. You're a pretty good football team, and I think you deserve it if you're 13-0. and 0. So Louisville would then fall to 10-3. and 3. They would probably go to what, the Gator Bowl? Or Orange no, Bowl. Orange Bowl, okay. The Orange Bowl. And then you've got North Carolina State at 9-3. and 3. Where would NC State be? Probably, probably at the Gator Bowl. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, the cheese at uh, no the the pop tarts bowl oh, either Gator or pop tarts right okay after that things get a little interesting because then you've got Clemson you mentioned a holiday for them North Carolina Duke Miami all in that same I mean those I would assume North Carolina and Miami would still be right there um, you know amongst uh, your top choices that's absolutely probably exactly Duke is a good football team they have lost their coach now. So again, does that uh, does that change things? It all <laughs> see. We won't know that until Monday. Yeah, that's true. That is true. If that changes, you know, we'll see. You know, the, the transfer portal opens up on Monday, which I think is really a really bad date for for the Bulls. Anyway. But you've got to select on Sunday. That's exactly what you know. That's exactly right. You pick a you you yeah. pick a school. And all of a sudden, because of what they have, and all of a sudden on Monday, they, you have you know, 8, 10, 12 players enter the transfer portal. You don't know what's going to happen. Now explain for the ACC how this works. Pac-12, we pretty much know it's going to come down to Oregon State and USC. It's pretty cut and dry, and more than likely it'll be one of those two schools playing in the game here against um, a, an opponent from the ACC. How does the selection work when it comes to the ACC and your bowl partners and tie-ins, with yeah, that. ACC is a little different. Okay, so you know, so you uh, you get the CFP obviously gets first selection, mm-hmm. and then the, usually the, the the champion of the ACC, if they are not in the semis, goes to the Orange Bowl. So let's just assume in this particular case, Florida State wins. 
there in the semis. Now, if Florida State loses to Louisville, how does that work out? Because now they're not going to, neither team will be in the CFP. And then who ends up going to the Orange Bowl? A one loss Florida State team or a two loss Louisville team? I think the winner of the Louisville's Florida State. If, if, well, if Florida State loses, yeah. then Louisville, Louisville in the will wind Bowl. up in the Orange Bowl. Where they put Florida State. They'll put them in an, you know, I don't think they will drop out of the. Out they got to the be in the New 12. Year's. They got to be in the New Year's so Day. They game. will be in the New Year's Day game. Okay. In the, in, in the New so what you're six, saying is, is, is that right? Peach Bowl. So what you're saying is, no matter what happens in this game, two teams are out of the mix anyway. You, 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 you know that it's going to be either Orange Bowl for Louisville or Orange Bowl for um, you know or or, or um, you know potentially. Um, you know, I think New Florida, Year's six think for both. Florida, I think Florida State wins. They'll be in the in the CFP. Yeah. Louisville will be in the in the Orange Bowl. If Louisville wins, if if Louisville wins, Louisville will go to the or still go to the Orange Bowl. Yeah. I think, and uh, Florida State will wind up in a New Year's Six Bowl, possibly the Peach Bowl. So Louisville's going to the Orange Bowl no matter what. I think so. Okay. And then Florida State will be in the New Year's Six or the CFP, depending the, on what happens. Or the CFP, which then leaves, as we've said earlier, North Carolina State. Clemson, North Carolina. You do have schools like Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech that were six and six, but they qualified because they were five and three in the league. They played better in the league than they did in their non-conference okay. games. After you know, after after the, the Orange Bowl, the ACC. There's two pools, and there's there's a there's two pools, and one consists of the the Cheez It Bowl, the Pop Tarts Bowl, and the Gator Bowl. So the next teams that are available by record. Well, they will pick among those schools. All right. Overall record or conference record? Overall records. Okay. So you said Cheez-Its, Pop-Tarts. I thought Cheez-Its became Pop-Tarts. They're separate bowls this year? Yes, they are. God, Kellogg's is all over the place, Kellogg's man. has three, is sponsoring three bowls. Wow. Sort of. By the way, you heard about the edible mascot for the Pop-Tarts bowl, yes. right? Sort yeah. of. It's sort of uh, Kellogg's. Which, you know, they've split up into three different companies, and... Uh, Pop Parts and Cheetos are part of the snack, the snack company. Uh, Frosted Flakes is part of the cereal company, and then oh. they, I think they have the nutritional company. So they are. So we have snack, so cereal, all, nutritional. Co- co- correct. Got it. All right. So Cheez Its, Pop Tarts are in one version. One that's one thing, and then all right. So the point is this: there are three bowls. So let's just assume Clemson goes to one. Georgia Tech go, or uh, North Carolina State goes to another, and then the third team would be either North Carolina, Duke, Miami, Georgia Tech, or Virginia Tech, correct? That's, that's correct. What are you hearing as far as the third possible team? I haven't heard much about that, and I, you know, that would, I would, right now off the bat, I would say that North Carolina would get the nod. I would agree. I would agree with that. So let's just say North Carolina, North Carolina State, Clemson off the board, which then means you get to choose from Miami, Duke, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Boston College, and Syracuse. Now, what's interesting here is is that you can put down your preference, but ultimately it's the ACC that has the final say as to who goes where. Not necessarily. Uh, they will say they will tell us the three bowl. Now the next pool is the three uh, three other bowls, which is the Pinstripe Bowl in New York, the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, and us. And the, we will have a choice of those bowls. So if all of us pick a different, all yeah, if y'all pick us, a different team, team then, then it's easy. Is 
What if, if you all? What if you guys? What if two of you pick the same team? Then there's criteria that we use to break the tie. I want to hear about this. Okay, let's uh, let's let's do Sports Center because Adrian's back. We'll do that, and then I'm, I know I, I lost, guys. I know then, I lost. Well, we haven't. Well, yeah, we haven't broken it officially to you yet, but yes, uh, we'll talk about that too as we continue. Uh, but here he is, a dejected Adrian Broadus with this uh, bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Uh, critics, uh, critiques, and uh, or critics and fans on uh, on social media. This is fantastic. Hey, Pinky's really getting in on this too. He says Joe John Jr. should be head coach. Jonathan Byers, offensive coordinator, and then he says Cooksey, maybe Waterboy, maybe. Oof, boy, oh boy. Hey, you realize if Byers got the head football job, he would be firing people every year if they didn't get it done for him. He every would, game, he could. He could be. Uh, it could be the quickest turnover in the history of college football. Yeah, I almost and, want to see that. And players, I mean, fans might like that. Like, he kicks off players left and right if they do a bad job. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally behind Jonathan Byers as the next head coach. That's why he's running away with the vote. Good job, Johnny Utep. Way to come back and uh, and take this poll for us. Uh, Bernie, before we went to Sports Center, you were talking about the potential tiebreakers and how this works if, in fact, you and one of the two other bowls, the Pinstripe Bowl or the Duke's Mayo Bowl, have the same team listed at the top of your list. Now let me ask you this. When you submit, do you all submit at the same time, or will you submit once you are aware of who the other three bowls have already chosen? How does that work? We're all supposed to submit at the same time. Okay. Doesn't always happen that when we used to do it live. That's the way we used to, we, when we were there in a in a in a meeting room. We'd write down the stuff and turn it in at the same time. And they would now we do it. You know we do it by phone, or, you know, or by Zoom this year, uh, this this Sunday. And gotcha. uh, and it'll be hard to get to do them at the same time. But but uh, we all pretty much know what we, what we're going to do. You do. So for the most part, the Sumble Association has come up with your list of ACC teams that you're interested in. Do you usually go three deep, five deep? Four deep. Four deep when you list your teams. Okay. Four deep. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So as far as, as, as tiebreaker, you want to talk about tiebreakers? Let's do that. It gets, it, it, you know, after two or three years, it gets a little complicated. But like say this is the first year. The first, uh, the first criterion, if there's some, if a, if two bowls want the same team, is proximity to the bowl. We would lose that one every year to everybody because we we're, we're here. But if that same thing happens the following year, then that doesn't apply. So say, uh, say the, the Charlotte Bowl and us both want uh, uh, Wake, Wake Forest. Yep, Wake Forest. Well, who's closer? Who's closer to Wake Forest, the, the, you know, the, the, the Charlotte Bowl or us? They win. Yes. Next year, same thing happens. Both you, of us want say, uh, the, the my, same two balls, want yes. the same team. Then, then you would get Then choice. we would get it. Is this the we first a, year of that? No, this is several years. So no, I mean, like, is this, in other words, have you, have you ever had to, have you ever lost out on a team because of proximity with another bowl before? Oh, absolutely we have. We and, lost the, the pinstripe. Okay, you we did. lost Miami to Pinstrap a few years back. Okay, no, but I, what I mean is, if this happens again Sunday, is it reset again, or would you get the nod because this has already happened to you before? It it it, it, uh, it carries on. It does. It does carry on. Do you entire so? Will you have the tie break over Duke Mayo and Pinstripe this year? We have one. I think we have one over over Duke's Mayo. Okay. Not over the pinstripe. Not over the pinstripe. You have to we've do, never do we've never won the same team. I got you. All yeah. right. 
So, like I said, and then so after that, then then it goes to the last time they were at the at that bowl game. Yeah, and then after that, it was you know there, of course the opponent comes into the opponent comes into that as well. Who who are the, you know who would their opponent be, and when was the last time they played? So there's there's about seven steps, and I can't remember them all because mm-hmm. it never gets pretty much it never gets past the uh, you know the proximity of the bowl the bowl. Uh, it's interesting though. I mean, it could be USC Miami. It could be Oregon State and Duke when it's all said and done. Like, you just don't know for sure until Sunday what's going to happen. Right. could be Boston College. You know, that's, you never know. That's, that's true, too. It, you know, it all, it all depends. And you said West Virginia, Georgia Tech, West Virginia. Georgia, I mean, Virginia Tech. I'm sorry, Virginia Tech. Well, you've got four to list, though. And, and I would assume one of your four is still going to be North Carolina because even if you think that they're going to be in the top three, if not and you don't list them, then you lose out on an opportunity just in case they're on the board right well again the we're going to list four even though there might be six but those last two yeah uh, we probably would probably not be the best for the sumble that year right because of their opponents so like i said it, it uh it's not as easy as it seems and our football committee which is made up of 11 of us we sat there yesterday and, and really hashed out all possibilities, and we're going to do it again tomorrow and see what see where we're going. But it's not as easy as, okay, I'll take this team because there's other bowls involved. It's tough. From the Pac-12, it's different. Pac-12, you're going to get the, we're going to get the next, the team, the next team available with the highest conference record. So it kind of, it's kind of made, unless there's a tie. Yeah. Now, if there's a tie, then we do get a choice, which could happen this year with uh, UCLA. You know, now we do not, by contract, we do not have to take the same team two years in a row. But we can if we want to. Okay. Yeah. Did UCLA travel last year? A little bit? For UCLA, I would say yes. For UCLA. By the way, does Oregon State travel? They travel very well. Will they travel, you think, with no head coach? It's hard to tell. Never know. Hard to tell right yeah, now. Yeah. Hard Tough. to tell. But they do travel. They do follow their team very well. Congratulations. Uh, we tied this year for the overall lead for the um, Chick-fil-A Sumble Selectum Contest. Um and and I know for you, you're still pretty excited because um, you won eight last week. I won nine, and then Adrian, who took some chances, trying desperately to pull off a, like a hail mary, like you did the week before, finished with seven out of ten. So unfortunately, Bernie, for the second year in a row, Adrian Broadus has lost our season long contest and will once again owe us uh, all lunch at Chick fil A. Can't wait. Can't wait, Adrian. I'm depressed. I uh, this is. I thought we had championship weekend. Uh, I I remembered we didn't have it like on Sunday, and it was too late to change my picks uh, because the games all happened on Saturday. So I'm I'm just done. You know, I I have to pay for Chick Fil A again. I'm I'll own up to it. I'm no problem at all for that. I'm just so disappointed in myself. Back to back years. I just I would at least wanted to save this year, but back to back years going down. That's How many games did you finish back of us? Two. You guys tied. It was 90, and I was like, or you were 92, and I was 90. So you were two back. Yes. That's how close it was. And I thought, So you were one back going into last week. Correct. That's right. Wow. Yes. And I was thinking to myself, well, I probably shouldn't have picked Colorado all those times. Mm. I, did this, I did the same thing, Adrian. But you won. You're not, you're not the biggest loser. <laughs> no, I'm not. But like, you know what they say about coming in tied, don't you? What do they say? Tell them. You know, it's like kissing your little sister. (laughs) 
No fun. <laughs> that is no. That is that is definitely no fun. Uh, Adrian, I have a, a big question for you. Now that uh, it is official and you've uh, you've lost, are you going to wait till next fall for the return of the honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich to pay up, or are Man. we going to go? Are we going to go sooner than that? We- uh, by the way, that that uh, sandwich was launched in August, August twenty eighth of this year. So, uh, are we going to wait until right before the season starts to pay up, or uh, are we going to do it uh, sooner than that? What do we, you think? We should do it sooner than that. Uh, I I took too long last time to uh, take you guys out. This time around, I'm not going to do it that way. We should do it w- to celebrate uh, the announcement, the official announcement of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl teams, maybe the week after or something like that. Once yeah. things, uh, uh, I guess, slow down a little bit for Bernie Olivas, that would you, be my go-to. I like that. What do you have next week? After the announcement, the coaches will be there for the Zoom call, and then uh, are we going to do like travel parties flying in? Yes. Next week, either Monday or Tuesday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the advanced parties will probably be here. So okay. I will probably be tied up all day Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I got you. Uh, by the way, and then things settle down a little bit for you. Yes. and then. We we'll go be from working, there. You know, working towards basketball was coming up December 20th and 21st. Let's not forget the, you know, nope. the West Star Don Haskins Invitational. That's exactly. That's right around the corner, right too. Right around the corner. Um, parade, let's get a recap on that. How did the parade go this year? I thought the parade was fantastic. I thought the theme it lent itself to some tremendous floats. If you didn't go, the music was incredible from start to finish because the, the theme was rock and roll extravaganza. And boy, did we hear a lot of great tunes coming down. Come, you know, every float had some rock and roll music. It was pretty awesome. Uh, the weather was absolutely fantastic. And the crowd was, could have been one of the largest crowds ever, ever. Real, well, that's, the weather was beautiful. It really yeah. was. It was perfect, right, when you think about everything. So that makes that does make a lot of sense. Hey, by the way, I'm curious about one other thing. So you mentioned uh, the West Star Don Haskins Sumble Basketball Invitational. There's the Sumble Basketball Skills Camp sponsored by Marathon. That's going to be happening at Memorial Gym also the day before the tournament starts. Um, and then you've got Cheer Camp on December 28th. You've got the Fan Fiesta presented by El Paso Live that same day. The pregame fan party at Glory Field should be open to the public on game day and then kick off at 12 o'clock. It's a busy, busy schedule. Yeah, it's a busy schedule, and like I said, all of that is free except for the ticket of the game. Fan Fiesta's, fan fiesta's free, pregame party's free, uh, the skills camp is free, everything is free. The only thing, mm-hmm. the only two events we charge for the whole, the whole year are the basketball tournament and the football game. So yeah. come on out, enjoy it, pick up a ticket, have a lot of fun, and then uh, go, to the, go to the Tony Tiger Sumble. Great to see you. Thanks for giving us the time. I I feel much better about the game now because I have some clarity for uh, change, which is good. And uh, looking forward to the big announcement. Let's talk also about the party uh, coming up this weekend where you can go out, hang out, and be ready for the big announcement. Absolutely. This Sunday from 1230 to 2 o'clock over at the Sunland Park Racetrack, we will have an announcement Sunday party. There will be free food, uh, giveaways, and, of course, you, you buy your own drinks. And uh, I have already received uh, the, mail, the email from the Pac-12. I will get that phone call at 1.30. So by 1.45, we'll know who's from the Pac-12. And I think at 1.15, I will get the call from the uh, ACC. And by 1.45, we will make an announcement nice. and know exactly who's going to be out, going to be playing in the Tony the Tiger Sun. So be the first to know. So come on out. Uh, it's, it's free of charge. And uh, we'll have a lot of fun. We've, we've been having a lot of fun with that party, so come on out. 
Selection Sunday, folks, on the Park Racetrack and Casino. All right, Bernie. Enjoy it. We'll see you Sunday. Take care. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Come back. Wrap things up. John Teicher will join us as well during our final countdown. He's live at Hudson's. We're going to get you ready for that show. Coming up next, 600 ESPN El Paso. Final countdown as we wrap things up here on a Tuesday edition of the program. Man. Say hello to John Teicher. He's hanging out at uh, Hudson's Grill. 1770 Lee Trevino. Tice, you've got a uh, an hour full of UTEP basketball, but uh, like everybody else, everybody wondering what is going to happen uh, here over the next week to 10 days as UTEP searches for their next uh, head football coach. Yeah, and uh, I'm as anxious as anyone else to see uh, what uh, Jim Center decides to uh, do. I have uh, texted a couple of people over the last uh, couple of days that uh, normally answer me right away and that has not been the case this time steve so as they say when there's smoke there's fire so i guess we'll see right are you on the um like uh, hiring committee when it no. comes to the interviews no have you ever been uh not with football no okay I'm surprised. I would figure a man like you who's been doing this 40-plus would, uh, would, would, would be able to throw a couple of zingers at some of these guys and get a good, uh, get a good indication as to uh, you know, what you hear. Uh, that'd certainly be fun, that's for sure. I know, I know. Um, John, the hardest part is trying to figure out where, where UTEP is going to go for this. I mean, you could go older, more experienced coach. You could go young, up-and-coming, on-the-rise coach. There's uh, you know, small schools. Uh, there's the larger power fives. There's the mid-majors. There's so many different ways UTEP can go. Well, my opinion is, Steve, whomever they go with has got to bring with him, whether it's directly or indirectly, an entertaining offense that sells tickets. Yep. We have to be able to sell tickets here, Steve. It's got to be somebody that can talk to fans, that can talk to boosters, that can talk to donors, somebody that can sell his own program. And that's how uh, intercollegiate athletics and college football has changed even in the last five to ten years, is that the head coach has to be able to do all of that. The head coach is more of that now than he is a coach of football. Yeah, he still has to coach his coaches, and obviously make sure that they're prepared to do what they need to do. But the head coach of a, a college football program has got to be everything now, Steve. And, uh, you know, it sounds uh, like it uh, it might be something that's impossible to find. But uh, wow. I think there are people out there that fit the bill. The last truly entertaining style of football was, was Mike Price. I don't think anybody would debate that. Yeah, I agree. I agree, although, uh, you know, again, uh, now that uh, time has passed, uh, uh, although Mike, you know, certainly liked to talk to fans, he liked to talk to, to donors, he might still be relevant in this uh, in this day and age, but it's changed so dramatically, so quickly, and uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what transpires. Can't wait. But in the meantime, we've got UTEP basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding coming up next. John Teicher standing by live at Hudson's Grill, folks. Head on down. 1770 Lee Trevino will join him next right here. 600 ESPN El Paso.